0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Today we are back with a fun flick to review. Sarah, what film are we reviewing today?
1: We are reviewing The Man from UNCLE.
0: Yay! So I have no idea what Sarah thinks about this film. It's We're flying blind today and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We thought that this film in particular um, because there are a lot of interesting things that Guy Ritchie does with it It would be an awesome one to go in blind and hear all of our reactions um, super organically. So what a thrilling time it'll be.
1: Especially given a thrilling action-adventure movie.
0: (laughs) It's only fitting. I also know that Sarah is a big fan of one of Guy Ritchie's films. I believe that you are a big Guy Ritchie fan in general. Is that right? I, I am, Okay. yes. <laughs> so this will make it extra fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, so it's, uh, it's not that difficult to guess how I feel about this
0: film. <laughs> nope. But I am curious what parts of the film you thought were weaker and which you thought were the best and coolest parts. Mm-hmm. Given... In the context and in light of the fact that you are a big Guy Ritchie fan.
1: <laughs> yes, so there is much to discuss. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, shall we start off with a plot summary?
1: We shall. In the early 1960s, a CIA agent and KGB operative participate in a joint mission against a mysterious criminal organization which is working to proliferate nuclear
0: weapons. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, they did a good job with that one. So, in one of our previous episodes, we talked about coming up with our own plot summaries using as few words as possible. I think we should put ourselves to the test again today. What do you think? Oh no. I didn't I don't have one ready. <laughs> okay. Well, pretend you've got a gun to your head and you have like 5 seconds to think of something. Oh and if man. it's not <laughs>
1: I don't, I don't do well under this kind of pressure. Okay. Do you want, I, I came up with the other one spur of the moment the last time, so.
0: Yeah, there you go. Don't underestimate Mm. your inner cunning. (laughs) Okay. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I do not want to go first. I have to come up with something. Okay. I, let me count. Okay, I've got it in five words. Uh, Okay, I'm gonna make it six. Uh, (laughs) So, what is it? Could also be a fashion ad. Oh my lord! That's my that's my six word. Yeah, six word summary for this film. Wow! Yeah, yeah, well done. (laughs) Which goes into many of my thoughts about this film, but before we get there, what would yours be?
1: Oh, the, oh there's a better way to phrase it. That's a lot more elegant. Oh, I just can't get there. Dang it.
0: You can think about it, we can also just edit this part out. I- <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag okay, we're so- not live.
1: So Sorry, I, I kind of put a, you on the
0: spot there. I didn't really think about it until we until you did your IMD summary. And I remember in our last episode we talked about it and it was super fun. So I uh, I have a five-word five word. No. I know I had to count as well. It's a, all good.
1: I have a five word one, but I'm oh. I'm not pleased with it, but it's it's all I got. Okay. Let's so, hear it. Um
0: 2015 Invasion of the 1960s. Ooh. Yeah. Very accurate. Yeah.
1: So Which if you put our two summaries
0: of... together, 2015 Ooh. Invasion of the 1960s could also be a fashion act. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. So in 11 words, we've truly come up with something Absolutely fantastic. Go us. I'm so <laughs> proud of us. All right. So, Sarah, what were your thoughts about The Man from Uncle? I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Um, and so I went into it going, okay, Sarah, you're a Guy Ritchie fan. So, you're probably going to like this movie. But it had like a what was it, like a 56 metascore on IMDb? So I was like, okay, keep your expectations low. This is not his best film ever. So just, just keep that in mind. Um,
0: you were preparing yourself for disappointment. I, I had
1: to, yes, <laughs> I had to prepare myself for disappointment because sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, this movie's going to be great. And then it's just not. And then I'm upset. So I... I enjoyed it. It's again, it's not my favorite Guy Ritchie film, but it was a lot of fun for me to watch. And I really enjoyed um, Henry Cavill and Army Hammer's performances. And I really like the whole, these two characters are opposite and they don't like each other, but they're forced to work with each other thing. That to me is really entertaining they did it well. Um, Guy Ritchie's direction, his ideas and how they were able to take his absolutely bonkers ideas and bring them onto the screen were I yeah, I was along for the ride and I was just thoroughly enjoying myself. So I think this uh, this lived up to my expectations but did not exceed them. So I am, I am happy.
0: <laughs> How does this stack rank in comparison with some of the other Guy Ritchie films that you've seen? Oh, middle, Snatch, t- middle of the middle of yeah, the pack, or yeah, okay, yeah. I would
1: say that this is probably like upper middle. Like I really like Snatch is my favorite Guy Ritchie film. Um, some people will come at me over that one, but that's fine. Um, I like a lot of the stuff that he did in Sherlock Holmes, even though those movies are pretty flawed in a number of ways. Um, but yeah, this was this was solid upper middle. Mm, okay. But so Snatch is still my favorite.
0: I was just going to say, Snatch was on Sarah's list, this infamous list that we often reference, of films that we both traded – Back in the early days of our friendship of like <laughs> must-watch films that were absolute gems that we absolutely loved and adored. Snatch I distinctly remember was on your list. Yes.
1: Yes, it is. And it's now on Netflix. So yeah, we'll definitely
0: review it at some point in the coming months. <laughs> Cause I'm curious. I am intrigued. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to
1: see your reaction to Snatch. Like, I don't want to, like, keep talking it up. because I don't want you to have this, like, unrealistic expectation <laughs> and then be disappointed by it. But the... what I mean, it's all in the little things. And he is very intentional with the little things that he does. Um, and you can see that in Snatch, but you can also see that in The Man from UNCLE. And it's those little things that I really
0: appreciate. Yeah, I... I visually loved The Man from UNCLE. It was so stylistic and unique and had such a flair to it that I thought was fantastic. I loved that part. The plot, I wish, had more substance or is more exciting and more thrilling or that the characters were a little bit um, more larger than life. Because I think it really fit with this lightness and kind of whimsy and silliness that Guy Ritchie has with um, his this action film, and I wanted more of that because it it felt like the plot kind of dragged, especially in the middle. Like I was like, okay, where are we going with this guys? Um, so I wish that the characters were more larger than life, that some of those really fun moments that Guy Ritchie has um, in certain scenes. I wish there was more of it because, man, those were so well done. And just the juxtaposition of some of the different filmmaking components together made for a really fun fun thing to watch unfold on the screen. So right now I'm thinking of um, the boat chase scene and when um, – Henry Cavill's characters, like, eating a sandwich, watching Army Hammer just get <laughs> chased around, and there's, yes. this, like, Italian songs, like, on the radio, and everything else is silent. You just hear the soundtrack going, and it's, like, absolutely ridiculous. Like, that was awesome, and I, I wanted more of that. Um, so, overall, I appreciated, I just appreciated how stylistic this film was, and I wish that the substance was meatier to help, keep, keep it going forward for me as a viewer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely see that. Like when I, when I think back to the movie, even though I only watched it yesterday, I don't remember a lot of what happened in the middle. Um, I just remember those big fun set pieces and those just give me absolute joy so I I agree. There were moments when it really did drag, and I was like, "Okay, guys, let's let's keep it moving here."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the really fun parts that this film could have done more of, and could have added so much more, is to have the characters be more larger than life. It kind of felt like they were more more restrained or more of the stereotypical like characters you see in a like, action film or, like, a fun heist film, you know? And I I think because he did so much with the visual lightness and fun and flair that that could have translated into the characters as well and added more. Um, it's kind of like he was painting with reds, but, like, he could have added greens and blues and, like, more more into it because the reds were absolutely fantastic. Um so for example like Army Hammer's character and Henry Cavill's characters, like they felt too bland, you know, like they could have been more larger than life and just watching them interact and unfold and get into all these crazy scenarios could have been more fun for the viewer.
1: I I feel that way about Army Hammer's character. I wanted to know kind of more about him, but I loved Henry Cavill's character, but I'm also a sucker for that kind of a character. It's like, he he's so good at what he does that he's just, he has this air about him and this arrogance and he's like, yeah, I can do it. It's fine. And then my favorite part of his character is when he's like, yeah, I got this, like in the safe and the when he's breaking in and Army Hammer is like, did you disable the alarm? And he's like, oh, there's no alarm. And then he steps in and the alarm goes off. Like I love those moments. Or it's like, yeah. you arrogant fool, you're not as good as you think you are. So I think I think Henry Cavill's character was a lot more developed than Army Hammer's was. But I think because Army Hammer's performance was so strong, I didn't mind the lack of character development there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, even in the scene where Army Hammer and Gabby are stopped, and they're, like, in the Roman forum, right? And they're, like, going on a little midnight stroll, and they get stopped. And um, after that little tiff, Henry Cavill's character just, like, saunters over, and it's like, where the hell did you come from? It really doesn't matter but it's kind of just super amusing that he just, like, shows up um, yeah. out of nowhere. And you just know that he was somehow tracking them. And it's like, there's no explanation needed. But it's kind of fun that he's just this kind of, like, all omnipresent kind of figure where he just, like, he just comes out of nowhere. And I moments like that were just so awesome um, that I – I wanted, I wanted, or maybe as maybe I'm directing this more for Army Hammer's character, where I just he was so I get as part of his character to be kind of this like stoic, restrained dude, but there could have been more quirks to him that made that even more fun and amusing to watch, you know? Um, he was just a little boring in some scenes. Like I feel yeah. like there could have been more done.
1: Yeah, I agree. But what? What cracked me up is in the in the end credits when they uh, when they were showing the bio for each person, you got some of those quirks for Army Hammer then that you didn't get during the movie. I was like, ah oh, man, why couldn't you have put some of those like weird little details to kind of humanize him in the movie?
0: Mm. Yes, exactly. So. My thoughts on like that part of this film are pretty similar to Logan Lucky, where it's like if we're gonna go for this like really fun, lighthearted, absolutely like whimsical adventure story um, thriller, like let's make it super fun with these big characters, you know. Mm-hmm. This film reminded me a lot of Baby Driver in a lot of ways. I don't know if you've seen Baby Driver.
1: I have not.
0: Okay. It, it did a lot of similar things where it, the filming and the way it used music and um, visuals was so stylistic. And the plot was also meh in Baby Driver, but it almost didn't matter as much because it was just so fun to watch how the director would film certain scenes and, you know, use the soundtrack as like pacing and beats Mm. and mapping the shots to those beats and like I I felt a lot of the same thoughts going through my head watching Baby Driver as I did with this it's like yeah the plot's like eh so so it's not really that interesting but the style almost makes up for it in a lot of ways yeah
1: this yeah style is the word for it there's so much there um yeah Guy Ritchie gives so much in his in his directing and how he constructs these worlds um yeah there's so much to look at and so much to experience
0: and even from the opening credits like the very first few stills we see from the opening credits like you know what kind of film you're about to get into like it's it's not gonna be this bond-esque type of action film it's not gonna be marvel like you're on for you're ready for like a really fun ride and he's gonna be playful and it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be quirky and it's like you're up you're this is what we're about this is the ride we're about to go on together yeah
1: and I love that, at least for me, the the humorous moments, they didn't feel forced. Like, I feel like in a lot of action movies, especially today, there's this aim to also be funny. Like, you always need that to kind of, like, break those moments of tension. You know, you need to be able to come up for a breath every once in a while. But for me, there were really subtle moments of humor woven throughout that kept it light, but it wasn't heavy handed to me. And it wasn't um, a lot of it wasn't overtly funny. There were some really funny moments, but it felt a lot more balanced than I find a lot of action movies to be, especially today.
0: That is so true. So can we talk about the type of humor in this film for a second? Because it's, you're right. So, different from the humor that we see in a lot of films today. It's, it's almost funny because of the premise and because of the characters and the situation versus this one liner that someone delivered.
1: Yeah. So instead of having to be overtly funny, they're able to do things. And for me, a lot of the the humor happened in the background So you would see, you know, Henry Cavill doing something stupid in the background, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious, while something more serious is happening in the foreground. So it's those little moments that really, like, broke things up. And like you referenced earlier, the whole boat boat. situation, (laughs) that was hilarious. It had me rolling with laughter, because it was so, so stupid, but... Nothing needed to be said. It was all shown, which mm-hmm. is a, a stronger form of humor, at least for me.
0: There's that shot of Henry Cavill just eating a sandwich, and then he's, its I think, shot from behind, so you see what he sees through his front windshield, and you just yeah. see the boat go by in this one oh shot. Or <laughs> even you see his truck begin to pull out and you know that he's he he has this moment of like oh i should probably save him and then very next shot is literally him driving his crush his truck to just absolutely crush the boat beneath him (laughs) and it's so great is there anything specifically funny about that that i could like point to not really other than the fact that it's just really amusing that like he straight up was like all right we'll just squash him cool all right, that's <laughs> the plan. Like.
1: And it just shows the importance of good comedic timing. And I feel like maybe that's what's missing in mm, in other yeah. films is that the timing is off and the delivery feels forced, but none of those humorous moments in this film felt forced to me. Like, even when, like, uh, the the femme fatale, she poisons... Henry Cavill's character, and he—you see him start to pick pillows up off the couch, like he's—he's <laughs> he's feeling the pillows for their firmness. He—no attention is drawn to this. You just see him doing this thing <laughs> until she finally calls him out on it. Like it's those little tiny things where you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's really good."
0: <laughs> yeah. While we're on this train of thought, we're just—we should continue to follow it. But one of my one of the hypotheses could be that it it goes back and forth so seamlessly between just a scene, a shot for a scene, and then moments of humor. And, and I feel like in a lot of the action films or even other films today, you kind of like know you're in a situation where something funny is going to happen. Yeah, like you're you're kind of set up. Like the the mood's changed or. You know, there's like a look that was shared and you're like, all right, he's going to deliver the zinger now. Like it's coming next. Like you can kind of expect it coming a little bit more now. Whereas in this film, you have no idea if that next shot after the truck shot is going to be him driving off or him doing actually something um, that's just, you know, what he's intending to do or if it's also simultaneously going to be funny. Like it's it's more surprising in those humorous moments you can't you can't really expect them and so i think i mean and there there's that saying that often humor is related to curbing expectations and the element of surprise and i think maybe that's a component of it as well just a theory i don't know
1: yeah i i completely agree and that's more in keeping with real life too i feel mm-hmm. like i if if somebody's, you know, winding up for their really humorous one liner, I'm usually not gonna laugh as hard as when I see someone just do something absolutely ridiculous or like they say something out of the blue that catches me off guard and it's hilarious. Mm. So I think I think you're on to something there. I agree with your hypothesis.
0: Yeah, it I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay Safe space uh... Ugh Nope Okay It's gone forever Something related <laughs> to like Jimmy Fallon oh. And how Jimmy Fallon's not really that funny to me because <laughs> no, Anyway He's not He's ridiculous But he's not funny <laughs> Okay So what was the last thing you said? <laughs> I
1: don't even know. I was just trying really, really hard to not make a football metaphor, so I have no idea what I said. <laughs> what? Because when you were talking about like the setup to the joke, when oh, oh gosh, setup it's for a so play? Bad. No, it's a it's when a quarterback is going to throw, he needs to make sure that his his throwing motion is really, really tight. And so there's a way that you do that, and that you practice that, so you don't get picked off. And or you don't get your arm hit and throw off your the ball, you know? So it's there was a whole football metaphor that I was constructing in my mind. And I was like, this is a film podcast. We're not going to talk about football. <laughs> so
0: that's all I was trying to do uh, think about okay. film and humor. <laughs> so you said something along the lines of like. I um, agree with your hypothesis. Set up. <laughs> Yeah, like, you can see it coming, blah, blah, blah. Yeah,
1: that that's less funny than when it's just, like, there, out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Okay, we're just going to, I'm just going to be like, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll move on to the next topic.
1: But here's the thing. When we recorded last week, and I was, like, losing my voice, and hacking up a lung, you're like, we're not going to edit this out.
0: (laughs) True. Okay, so are we keeping this whole bit in? (laughs) I don't know. Hashtag live. If you you keep in my
1: losing of my voice and my coughing from last week, then you have to keep this in.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ha-ha. Well, I'm going to keep this part in solely because I want... To have that bit about your football metaphor included, <laughs> because I'm thoroughly amused by that. <laughs> oh man, it's amazing how many things relate to football in my mind. Oh wow, see, this is one of those instances where I, where I would really love to have Edward Cullen's mind reading ability because <laughs> I think I think people are really f- probably thinking about outrageous things. We just don't really know. That's true. It's be- very true. Be- much more entertaining than reality television. It's like the ultimate reality television.
1: But the funny thing about reality television is that those people say the
0: crazy things that are going on in their minds. So then you're like, oh. That's true. They're also the people that are dumb enough to sign up to be filmed and be on reality television. So, <laughs> you know, like a lot of factors. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that okay. was quite a tangent. That was awesome, and this is probably where we should throw our Star Wars reference in randomly, <gasps> even though it's not relevant. Because just for good measure, you know, this this is this fitting time while we're on the tangent, anyway. Okay, we can check that off for our quota.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that oh, was. Oh lord. I it was gracefully done, from... wasn't it? It was, it was exquisite. Yes. Oh, just, yes.
0: just seamless. It just fit right grace. in there. Yeah, I know. I, just, I get that a lot, you yeah. <laughs> know. Okay. I'm trying so, to think
1: of a way to connect the two, and it's, it's not coming. So your way was way better than mine. So Ooh, well done. I can
0: connect it. Ready?
1: Yes, Star I'm ready. Star Wars The I'm Force for
0: Awakens. It. Every comedic moment in that movie felt so forced. The people are flying the Millennium Falcon in the midst of battle and they're cracking jokes like, I'm sorry, that's not realistic and it doesn't fit, doesn't belong here. Don't put it in there.
1: (laughs) You feel very strongly about this movie. I do,
0: yeah. So, examples of great ways to incorporate humor? This film. Examples of ways that feel less than wonderful? The Force Awakens. Nailed it. Look at that. (laughs) <laughs> it's very everything is connected in our very Buddhist moment where all all is one and one is all. <laughs> oh, okay, man. while we're on this tangent, can I throw in a comment that is not really relevant to anything else that we'll probably talk about for the rest of the film? So I'm just going to throw it in now because it's kind of yes. random. But I had this thought a lot in the first like 30 minutes of the film. Henry Cavill's voice and everything about him feels like it's not real. Like his voice did, felt like kind of like the announcer voiceover voice. I'm like, is that really your voice, Henry Cavill? And then his face is just so. Everything is in the right place and in, in all the most perfect ways that I'm like, are you CGI'd in? Like, there's no way you are real. <laughs> so. There's the a first, reason why
1: he plays Superman. There is.
0: A, I really understood that as I was watching this film. Because it's like, your face is perfectly chiseled. Your voice is this, like, very generic, classic, like, deep voice that can also be for, like, voiceovers or uh, baseball games. The announcer voice. Like, it's just, I don't get it.
1: Which, how perfect is that for a con man? Like, that's... It's true. That's who you need to be if you're going to be successful because then you you can charm everybody with your good looks and your voice, if it sounds familiar, and like somebody of, you know, not authority, but somebody that you've welcomed into your home before through the TV, like, it just makes him all that more endearing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he felt like a figure that I would see in an ad, yeah. Where everything is constructed so much to the way that you as a viewer would imagine that person or persona to be. Like, you know, those ads for like the mom? I don't know. It's for like um, Pillsbury Doughboy for the croissants. Like, the mom is so exactly what you ex- it expect, and the kids and everything. It's almost like so engineered that it doesn't feel real. But it's fine because it's an ad and, you know, you're just focused on the croissants. But I kept waiting for this film. I guess we can pivot to this topic now. And I'm curious if you felt similarly. But this, this whole film felt like an ad for a clothing line. Like I was just waiting for the end to just be this, like, puncher of, like, buy this in this department store here. And you could take so many scenes of this film, and, like, lift them out of this film and make them into little mini ads, and it'd be wildly entertaining. <laughs> like, I'm sold. I want to buy Gabby's dress throughout many parts of this film.
1: <laughs> I did not feel that way. <laughs> um, but now you're giving me all of the Mad Men vibes. Yeah. Um, Donald That's Draper would have been so pleased with this film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did, I did not feel that way um but I do enjoy when you can see that and you can go "Mm." like usually when I'm watching I'm like oh I want a still shot of that scene and that scene and that scene and that's kind of how I felt in this and the fact that you felt that way about like the clothing and the characters like That just makes me go, that was really well, like, good job costume designer, good job casting people,
0: like, Mm -hmm. because they did their jobs. And it goes back to this being this bravado of style that Guy Ritchie is wanting to show. Like, yeah. so many of those stills or those shots were curated so well and had this flair to them that... It can, it's why it felt like an ad because there's so much pizzazz to it. Um, mm. Even just in the color toning throughout the film. Yeah. We haven't touched on that yet. Like, gosh. The use of color and the way that he sh- sh- portrayed the different cities was so stylistic. It was so fun to see what he would do next.
1: And I feel like sometimes directors get a little heavy handed when <laughs> they start playing with color and you know lighting and things like that and trying to give either certain people or certain places a distinct style and feel they can go a little overboard and then it takes all the magic out of it but for me he had that perfect balance where it wasn't too much. It was just right to make all of these different set pieces unique and visually very, very interesting. And no, I mean, no two were alike, really, mm. as they changed cities and venues.
0: It was like you said. You wanted to know what, where we were going next. It reminds it reminded me a lot while watching this film of. The color tones used in *Midnight in Paris*, where there's a lot of mm, warm yes. tones used. I less so for the Berlin scenes in this film, but in the Rome scenes, that same like bright blue kind of pinkish skies, and all of the warm tones lifted off um, from all of the buildings, and it kind of has this like gloss and this. Um, Oh, I don't know the word for it, man. But you know what I'm talking about, where it just—you know—that it was intentionally done and tuned to that way, and it kind of makes you feel that sense of like lightness to it that is different from other action films, like the Ocean's films or the Fast and Furious films or the 007. Like it's a very different mood that it's trying to convey, and it does a lot of that through color. It definitely
1: reminded me it it was a modern day interpretation of the 1960s I very Mm. much felt like I was watching um, some of the old action movies from that period and that was so fun but you you really were transported back into that time into that time period in those places Mm -hmm. and I agree that color had so much to do with it, but then also um, what really got me were all of those split screens that he did. Yes. To me, that just screamed the 1960s, and I loved every second of those.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit because his camera work throughout this film is really interesting He kind of goes back and forth between these shots where there's not a lot of camera movement. The camera's almost static, but it's a very quick shot. And he alternates between a ton of these quick still cuts. And then in that whole chase scene at the end, he's zooming in and out, and there's a ton of camera movement. And so you really are aware of when we're really moving around With the camera and then when we're not and that contrast was unique that i i don't i can't think of another film off the top of my head immediately that does that same contrasting camera work um in the course of the same scene that chase scene
1: just oh my gosh it it had me hooked i I thought it was such a brilliant way to show, to increase the tension, obviously, but also to show where all of the characters were in relation to each other. Yes. Because I feel like in a lot of action movies, it's it's very linear. So you, and they can change in those, the, the depth of, or the perceived depth and the perceived distance between all of the vehicles. And so some in some shots, in the same chase, it'll look like they're, like, right next to each other. And you're like, bro, you're right there. Why aren't you getting him? When in the next shot, then they're, like, you know, feet and feet away. And it's like, well, that's why you didn't shoot him, because you're so far away. But with this, it was, you knew where everyone was and you were like, okay, so now you're gaining on him, but now there's this obstacle, so now this guy is closer to you, and then you're (laughs) going around, but then there's this other. So you were constantly able to track where people were in space, and it made it, at least for me, so much more entertaining. I never want to go back to the old way of (laughs) watching car chases.
0: This is so much better. Yeah, it in current... Action films, there's so much cutting and so much yeah. spectacle that it's disorienting as a viewer. Yeah. And I think that that's supposed to create a sense of like, ooh, we're in the midst of the action. But this goes back to our thoughts about Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where there's something inherently exciting about watching attention unfold solely based on placement or objects or um this the the relationship of all of these factors that are in opposition together and how they're gonna like unfold and battle each other or whatnot like that inherent tension is enough for it to be exciting that almost is more thrilling to watch than the quick cuts that are disorienting, but maybe we feel like we're more in the midst, close up to the action. Um, yeah, I think it remind this conversation reminds me a lot of our when we were reviewing um, Indiana Jones.
1: Two very different movies, yet <laughs> yes. there's
0: usually points of commonality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was also really interesting about the panels and the the divided screens that he used, um, is that it really reminded me at the time watching the scene of comics and mm-hmm. especially those quick still shots that he would go quickly between like a close up of Henry Cavill's face and then like a wide shot of the car chase and I'm thinking of the opening scene. Sorry, didn't provide context there but in that opening car chase scene there's like quick cuts of Henry Cavill's face, Army Hammer's face, a wide shot of the whole cars chasing each other scene and I just was thinking to myself like gosh you could take stills of all of that and string them together and they would still be coherent and it'd be kind of still very exciting to see this unfold. We're not really reliant on camera movement in a lot of those Yeah, I think the that car chase
1: specifically, it was a, a beautiful dance between the two of them. Almost like, I mean, obviously, like, it's violent. They're shooting each other, trying to kill each other. But it was this, or maybe it was more like a chess game. I don't know. But there, there was mm-hmm. such elegance around that whole yeah. thing and how they orchestrated that and how the two were trying to outsmart each other and outdo each other and couldn't really best the other. And I think Guy Ritchie did a really good job of showing both sides and showing, you know, each one, one upping the other. So it wasn't like, Oh, here's the clear Victor, but it was very much. Okay. They're on the same footing. They're on the same playing ground.
0: They're, an equal match for each other to start mm-hmm. off the film. Yeah, which then brings us to the ending where we're kind of in a similar scenario where Army Hammer shows up to Henry Cavill's room and we're wa- waiting to see unfold if who will be able to outsmart each other again. Like we're kind of back in the same premise. And then. I don't know how you feel about the ending. I'm curious your thoughts. But then Henry Cavill tosses the gun to him. They burn the the whole tape. And they're like having a drink on this rooftop overlooking Rome. Like I was not mentally prepared for that. I was ready for this like struggle sesh to happen and to watch them just like outwit each other. I was so excited. Because that opening scene was so fun, and I was like, "Yes, we're gonna see them battle at it again," and then we didn't get it, and I was so sad. (laughs) I
1: appreciated that letdown. Um, It was well, I mean they they built up to it, and then it was very fitting for me for Henry Cavill's character. To go, you know what? Screw it. The United States government? Matt. They'll be fine. I'm going to do this other thing instead. Just that seemed really fitting with that rebellious streak that he had. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did. I loved the build up to it. And then that giant letdown of, oh, I'm going to make you think we're going to go this way. And we're not. Psych. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. That. I really enjoyed that process.
0: Yeah and I wonder if part of the reason for that is wanting to like channel it into this excitement for seeing them now work together as part of Uncle. Yeah because it's like, oh, you won't get it this time, but they're gonna be working together now. Do you, I actually am not do you know if they've created a sequel to this film? I don't believe so, but I could be mistaken.
1: No, I didn't see anything about it when yeah. I was scouring the interwebs, which surprises me.
0: Me? Like
1: too. I'm I'm happy that there's not a sequel, <laughs> but this this film felt like a first of a few. Yes. Um
0: because of a whole there was
1: yeah, because there was so little character development throughout this was very much like a foundational like okay this is who these people are this is what they do this is the start of uncle to try and like reboot this whole thing that was so big in the 60s Mm -hmm. but maybe it didn't do as well as they hoped that it would and then they scrapped the rest of it yeah I don't know know.
0: It, it was it's just set up so perfectly to lead into the next one that I was also surprised that they didn't they didn't do it. I hope that they don't. I hope this just <laughs> remains a one off
1: and it can be good in its own little bubble. I think
0: that's great. It's like how the Kingsmen made like more movies after the first one. It's like well, the first one was plenty. We did, we did <laughs> we not need more. <laughs> yeah. So we haven't talked about Hugh Grant yet. <laughs> Do we want to talk we about Hugh not. Grant? We can talk about Hugh Grant. I mean, there's a reason that I haven't mentioned him until now, to be honest. <laughs> like <laughs> He wasn't he wasn't a pivotal part of this film for me as a viewer. Um nope. I felt like his character could have been replaced with a different actor and it probably would have been just as effective. Yeah. But, you know, it was kind of fun to see Hugh Grant in the film. It was kind of cool.
1: See, that's how I felt about Jared Harris. I was I was much more excited to see Jared Harris in this movie than I was Hugh Grant. Um, but then I heard his American accent, and I went, hmm, I've heard you do this better before. Uh, you are not my favorite for this role. <laughs> So yeah, he was he was a big letdown for me. Hugh Grant, I'm like, you could have saved some money and just gotten somebody different. But, you know, good job, Hugh. You're still acting. Mm-hmm. Good for you, buddy.
0: I thought he was gonna play a larger role in this film. Yeah, I thought so too. Which again, like
1: it just it makes sense for there to be a sequel. Because yeah it's setting him up to be a much larger character mm-hmm. in upcoming films since he's leading uncle like why else would you cast somebody that famous because you didn't need his his name in the credits when you have Henry Cavill and Army Hammer but you need somebody substantial enough to fill that role in a sequel like I don't know
0: yeah it reminds me of hillary swank's little role in logan lucky and how like she they could have saved money and just went with somebody else but maybe it's because she will play a big girl in the next film if there is a next film or if they were originally planning for sequels for both of them could be why i don't know we may never know we may never know it might be 11 years later Like they did for The Incredibles before they rebooted.
1: (laughs) Oh, please no. Please no. No, we don't need more. (laughs) No. And with an animated movie, you can do that. With a live-action movie, (laughs) even though these guys are looking good now, in a decade,
0: they're going to look very different than they do today. (laughs) Oh, but Sarah, the promise of CGI will save everything and everyone nope Nope.
1: cgi will not save everything and everyone cgi is apparently always the answer (laughs) no it is not practical effects are wonderful doing filming on location is great please do more of that
0: yes please so what else stuck out to you in this film that we haven't touched on quite yet
1: uh, how did you feel about the femme fatale in this film?
0: Uh, she's okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> like, I thought the whole romance with her and Army Hammer was, like, uh, just not necessary. But I can see why we have to do that. I don't know. I don't really feel strongly, one way or another. It's like, just, if she feels like a plot device, honestly. Less of a character, more of like, okay, we we kind of just need someone to do this role and play this type of character because it helps push the plot forward and also wears pretty things. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she was alright.
1: Yeah, I think she would have been Another one that they could have like developed that character Mm. more, but they didn't need to when you have Henry Cavill and Army Hammer in a movie.
0: Like, yeah, why bother with her? (laughs) Yeah, it kind of felt like this whole film kind of felt like these super (laughs) larger than life characters that you that are just so unique and have such unique stories and backgrounds that they almost are effective because they are so outrageous and but I mean outrageous in like the larger than life kind of way and Gabby kind of fits that same bill where it's like she is just this like super strong-headed does whatever she wants chick that can fix things and also be super awesome in, like, every possible way. So, like, okay, we just take it with a grain of salt. Like, she's not meant to be really a realistic character. She's meant to, like, play her role in this unfolding of an adventure. Is how I've kind of viewed her.
1: Yeah, this movie was very much an event-driven movie, not a character-driven
0: movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, her character just does does what she needs to do. Does the job. Pushes the plot forward. Awesome. <laughs> yep. Well done. Well done. Um, let's see. Okay. So I want to talk about this shot at the very, this towards the end of the film where you just see this shot and it's from above and it's raining and it's, so unique and so beautiful and so unexpected that I was like, wow, like this speaks to how fun it is to watch this film visually. And this scene is a great example of that.
1: See, you're just describing this very unique and memorable moment in the film. (laughs) And I'm not remembering the this fight unique
0: s- and memorable. <laughs> uh, the fight <laughs> I'm like, scene. It rained? What? The fight scene in the end. So they do this whole chase oh. scene through the forest and then they Gotcha. Yeah, they have this fight scene, it's in the mud and the rain. And then there's a shot right after Army Hammer or one of them kills the bad guy. And it's a shot from yes. above with the rain yeah. and it's like sparkling in the light. Yes. <sighs> so yeah. good. By that point I was,
1: I was done being mad that it was all of a sudden raining. So like when it first started to rain, I was like, why? Okay. Why has it got to rain now? Was there
0: rain in the forecast? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to push back and say that I loved the fact that it was raining because it made that whole action sequence where there's, like, mud getting flung around and they're all, like, dripping wet. So much fun to watch visually. I don't think I've seen an action sequence like that that happens in the rain. Oh, see, I've seen a lot of action sequences that happen in the rain. So that's what I was like,
1: really? We're doing this again? Like, I feel like people are constantly fighting in the rain because – It makes it so much more interesting. But the way that they did it was really... Oh, yeah. That part was really good. So I was just annoyed when I first saw the rain. I was like, we're doing this again? Really? (laughs) But by that point, you know, a few minutes into the fight scene, I was like, okay, yep, I'm here for this. Mm.
0: Yeah. Also, the whole motorcycle chase scene through the forest thing was super cool I loved that it reminded me of I hate to say this but it reminded me of Edward Cullen like <laughs> whizzing through the forest with Bella on his back when Army Hammer was like zooming on his motorcycle through the forest weird connections uh, not
1: that weird it, it reminded me of Sherlock Holmes number two there's a, a moment where this whole like group of people is running through the forest and like people are shooting at them in the way that um, Guy Ritchie kind of messed with um, real time and slow motion. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of, there were a lot of parallels between the two for me and like the way that they moved the camera and all of the interesting visual things that he did, like, He didn't do the same thing in both films, but I could see his fingerprints clearly on both.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. Okay. Any other last thoughts on this film?
1: It was just a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm glad that we picked it. We were in the mood to watch a solid spy movie and i feel like this lived up to that yep
0: we were in the mood for that
1: (laughs) yes yes we were and
0: we succeeded one that was lighthearted too and not things where you had to pay attention to a lot of dialogue for who the who who's who and who's what (laughs) which we didn't have to for this one that's for sure (laughs) we did not we knew who
1: everybody was and what was going to happen
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But visually, Feast for the Eyes. Ugh, stunning. Yes, and the humor. Those were the big, big things that I think this film just did so well. Awesome. Well, this was our review of The Man from UNCLE. If you're in the mood for just a fun spy flick to watch, open up a bag of popcorn, get on your couch, and snuggle up, um, this film is available on Amazon Prime for rental for 3 dollars or for purchase. We recommend it. It's a fun one to watch. Um, a lot of unique stylistic choices and flair that this film has. And um, it really is a feast for the eyes. We hope you guys have an awesome week. And we'll see you guys next week.